0: Welcome back to the Dangerous Red and podcast. This week we're joined by Mr. Ryan Rowe. Welcome to the podcast, Ryan Rowe. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. Uh, a bit of an unusual one starting out. I wasn't sure if we met face-to-face before. Yep. And the whole idea of the podcast, for anyone that's watching or that has listened, is... It's just for me to try and get to know characters that I know of around Dublin, Ireland, people that I see have a strong online presence, uh, things that I have an interest in. And last year, we kind of connected a bit more online and socials. And for anyone that doesn't know yourself, which if you're in a certain age bracket is very unlikely, um, I would love to kind of of get to know you properly and just to kind of figure out, Anything that I haven't already asked you, like who is Ryan Rose? So I know you grew up in Cabri. You Tommy, you're twenty seven. Yep. But can you bring me up to speed on how you got into the profession you're doing, and, and exactly what is it that you do from a day to day perspective?
1: Yeah. So how long do we have? But uh, <laughs> go ahead. Probably Wanna it's listen? probably best to start what I'm currently doing. Okay. Um. So currently I do marketing for. A few spots that'd be fairly well known in Dublin. Uh, Index probably being the most prominent at the minute. Yeah. Uh, also District A which probably would have been more prominent a few years back um, since it's obviously lost the Tivoli and then out to Jam Park. Um, we do District A in the Garden now which is kind of its flagship event Yeah. every year but I um, also do the Academy as well which is completely out of kind of the it's bubble of what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. But um, it all kind of works. I kind of, see it all as like when I opened my laptop, I've been plugging it all into the system. Yeah. So that's kind of the way it works at the minute. I don't know whether it will work <laughs> on forward, but that's it just seems to f- flow well at the minute. Um, so that's currently where I'm at, uh, like day to day. Another kind of thing that I do, which has stemmed from doing what I do, I guess, uh, doing marketing for clubs, promoting, whatever way you want to put it, is artist management. Which Okay. I see like, little
0: bits online, of course. Yeah.
1: your obviously, being... Yeah, the, yeah, the first is, one. Yeah. Uh, so I only manage two acts at the minute, uh, which is, is on purpose. So I do get like, I, I judge off what I they're kind of manage an act off. The go feeling I get, and I've only got it twice. And it's the first one is a bit obscure, which kind of... Great to see the lads growing. Yeah. I'm a big fan,
0: and obviously of you what you're doing.
1: Yeah, it's that kind of organically came about. Uh, and then the other one, which I guess organically came about as well, but uh, it's definitely more recent, is Yasmin Daisy.
0: Oh, of course, yeah.
1: yeah which is... Uh, from the Act. Yeah, she's from Kerry. She lives in Cork, but she now lives in Barcelona. But uh, she's essentially built herself up. So wow. Um, I yeah. see the name everywhere, and yeah. I've seen the boiler room recently. Yeah, love to see it. Yeah. So with, with the obscure lads, I guess we we kind of build that together. Whereas Yasmin has definitely built it up herself, and um, we're kind of seeing how we can help her kind of grow and get it onto a global stage. Which is it, it's interesting. It's kind of fast paced It's good to be involved in. And um, so that's kind of what takes up my day today.
0: Amazing. Sam, real quick, sorry, we can just... Oh,
1: I thought the music was on. Amazing. Yeah.
0: Sorry, don't worry about that. Yeah, um, yeah. so for me, I would have... I'd like to try and start the conversation off with how I kind of uh, got to know somebody or how yeah. I would have known somebody. So obviously, not to make it about myself, but I'm a big music lover. I started DJing when I was 13. I was thinking about this this morning. Yeah. I was buzzing to have you on. And I was, man, my first club experience was when I was 13 in no my, i've seen mark mccabe in a club in the called paparazzis which is it, it changed names over the years and i remember going and being like it was a different world because i didn't drink a lot of kids at 13 were definitely drinking then yeah. but i didn't drink in my first club experience and my love for music has grown and now that i'm at 37 over the years i've just seen trends come and go and people who influence music And just the certain characters' names that popped along the way, obviously Martin from Live Festival, yep, um, and you know just certain people like Sean Darcy. Then there's Ronan uh, from what's Ronan's subject? Subject, sorry. Like over the years, but for yourself and for me, I'm trying to think of how I first got to know you. And would I be right in saying might be around the Bedlam Lads or not so or like yeah, Brian and Johnny. Yep. And I remember seeing your name go. okay, just even your name sounds cool, but do you DJ? <laughs> I know you, you have a love for music and I've yep. seen you DJ, but like, was that like a hobby for you as well or a side project or do you produce music? No,
1: DJing is purely a hobby. And um, it's a love. Yeah, yeah, it's a love. Like it actually started out um, quite late. I'd, I'd say it was like quote unquote working in the, the industry or whatever, um, maybe three or four years. And I actually had an instant where... On one of my nights, a DJ had a, a few personal issues or whatever and actually left. It's a very polite way. Did he have a few too many drinks, maybe? Or yeah, actual well, who what, knows? Yeah, whatever happened, happened. And uh, he left and there was actually no one in the building that knew how to DJ. So <laughs> we had to stick a mix on, I had to ring a few people, get some people up. It all worked down the end, but that was yeah. the kind of the first time I said to myself, like, God, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna do this and this happens again, I'm gonna need to, to know what to do. So Okay. That's kind of how it all stemmed. Now, luckily enough, at that point I was working up in the Roy venue. So I kind of had a full club for like an hour or two before the doors opened, decks on to myself to learn how to DJ. Um, so with no crowd, yeah. With no crowd. Oh yeah, wow, well, of course. So that's obviously a massive luxury to me. Um, and like, I see DJing as like 1% of what I actually love about it all. Like I do love DJing, it's, it's good for That's crazy, only 1%. Yeah, it's, it's it's definitely more of a hobby, whereas I wish it was more than 1%, but just everything else I do just take so much time that... It's definitely more of a hobby. Now, that being said, one of the funnest things I do is probably just jumping on my mates and having a buzz. Like that's kind of how I see it. If it does if it does end up in the club, happy days. Uh the, yeah. The last time I played was pause i And I seen the clips, of you and Jake. Yeah, me back to back with Jake. And great that great buzz, I say, like packed yeah, out house. Sick. That like that all came about just because I wanted to have a buzz with Jake. Like, to-
0: and you so. know what? That yeah, that's the thing for Another thing for me is to figure out my passion in life and where I'm at and things and how my life has changed. So back to when I first started in clubs, I remember uh, practicing in my room, like a lot of young DJs or stories, the decks facing just against the wall. Yep. I used to, I actually went to like Gay Crasher, God's Kitchen when it was... Underage, like 13, 14, into the tree arena, which was the point depot. Yep. And you had to go in with someone that was over 16. And I remember seeing this, scene like the Tidy Boys and Scott Project, and all these mental artists, Tall, Paul, Judge Jilts. And I remembered kind of the whole wanting to be a DJ. Yep. Thinking around the time Kevin and Perigo Large was on and a beat. So my first holiday was in a beat. Yeah. And my passion for music was just like I don't know. It was just I, once I was in that space after the first nightclub, Mark McCabe gig. I think it's where I kind of kissed my first pick, <laughs> one or two ladies, <laughs> and I think they called it a me. And just that scene was kind of it was way weird, and that's twenty four years ago when I uh, got into the the music the music scene. I remember DJing, and it was it, before I started to cohere. DJing was a thing I don't know what it was I got very addicted to playing I remember my my first gig wasn't too long after that in like a church hall it was a place called Bounce mm. I got to play a half an hour set six records the first tune was Fragma Toka's Miracle big tune big tune the next tune I remember was Francino 999 it's a bit banging trans thing <laughs> And there was another tune I remember, I think it was called Fire Wire. If you Google it, it comes up. It's a bit of a stomper. Yeah, I know, can't yeah. remember that X-ray. But I remember that scene and whatever. And then over the years, back in the day, because I kind of want to talk more about music and how it's changed and club space and everything. Yep. I remember it was a kind of mental time. Like it was really hard. The club scene here was great. I remember I think there was traffic or spirit and all these places. Can you remember your first experience, whether it was an under are or a school disco? Or what was your first intro to that world?
1: So it's actually funny. A lot of people, um, a lot of people have that experience first, where it's like they want to be a DJ, and then from being from wanting to be a DJ, that brings them to the club. Whereas I had like the opposite experience. Okay. Uh, so I didn't actually go into my first nightclub until I was eighteen. Now, I don't like the scale disco and, like, the gale talk and stuff like okay. that. And, like, all that type <laughs> of stuff. There's a lot of
0: mischief in the gale talk yeah, there, so lot I, lot of, mi- I believe, A lot yeah. of
1: mischief, but uh, that was kind of... I wouldn't even call them. my first introduction to it. Uh, my first club I we went into... No, now, I know it's probably... It is closed now. I don't know where many people remember, but it's Alchemy in Temple Bar.
0: Alchemy? Yeah, on that Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was okay. my
1: first one uh, that I went into. And it's not like it blew me away or anything. It was like a night out and, like, it was, as everyone has the first oh, experience, I wasn't
0: there before, but b- before it was, yeah, it's yeah. a kind of a cool space. Yeah, in my head, I envision it as a 90s, yeah, glah. yeah. I like Ver, the space if like, I
1: remember well, very like Celtic Tiger, yes, yeah. And uh, I went, I think I, I went there two or three times, kind of going into sixth year. I was lucky enough that I went 18 going into sixth year, so with the whole year to go out. And I remember going out with my mates one night, and I think it was one of their birthdays or whatever. So I was thinking to myself, we'll book a table in here, it's a birthday, something special or whatever. And the promoter at the time actually said to me i well, was like how much is the table to book thinking like 100 quid or whatever and he actually said to me i'll give you the table for free and then i'll give you cash for every person you bring in oh wow so i was thinking to myself there's no way like something what's the catch what, here? Like, yeah what's gonna go on what's the catch here but uh like as it happened i think i think the night itself was probably failing a little bit so you're just looking for numbers in the door. Uh, but I think I brought 10 people and he gave me a 20 quid note. And I remember getting the 20 quid note going, that's my taxi home paid for That's three gargles. I think it was yeah. three quid gargles at the time. It was like, perfect, happy days. And then uh, I think the Monday following that, I got a text saying, if you want to do this every week, like, we're happy to have you or whatever. So, so. is that
0: kind of class as club promoter? or Yeah, yeah exactly. like technically, yeah, yeah, I remember it was a big thing. And it was like cheap list, or was that a- no? it? Like, cheap list,
1: guest list. Guest list, cheap
0: list. Facebook page
1: is like... Yeah, massive. Uh, yeah, at the time, I used to go out with, uh, I always say this to, to my mates, especially the, the obscure lads, because they're, they're a little bit younger than me. But I always say we used to go out with 15 quid and I'd get, you go in, you probably get the bus into town, my mates, so that's all sort of 150. You get there before half 11, in for free. Yeah. Downstairs, probably buy four drinks, that's 12 quid. Walk over to McDonald's, chicken nuggets, and then we just walk home because i I've be living in Cabram, close to town, so whole night out for 15 quid, whereas now you're not even getting a taxi into town for 15 quid.
0: Oh, it's changed massively. And yeah. it's like, like for me as well, when clubbing started, it was kind of the same. Uh, and I'm on a bit of a journey now at my age of 37 that I stopped taking party drugs. And I would yep. have used, when I first started going out, uh, drugs were so expensive and it, it wasn't needed. But I used to love going out drinking and you'd probably have four cans maybe between you and your mate because for for whatever they were praskys dutch gold yeah and you pre-drink and i remember pre-drinking has its own culture yep. But because we, we couldn't afford to go as you said you get the bus into town we used to, i used to live in Bray, so you probably get the bus into town you'd probably be drunk going into a place and then you struggle to get in i'm a little bit older it was quite hard yeah then you would yeah we'd probably try and drink i think they were called like snake bites like it was like Boomers, fat Frog. Fat frogs. Yeah, yeah, yeah mix yeah, of yeah. drinks, whatever the cheapest was to get you messed up, to try and build up the courage to maybe go and try and chat up a board. Yeah. And we never, we were like the in-betweeners. We'd no look <laughs> that wasn't our buzz. But then we kind of, I went through a few stages of was going to like cheesy nightclubs and then kind of clubs. Yeah. And I think my first experience as being maybe a younger guy was probably into traffic, which is now Wigwam, which was the Twisted Pepper. Yeah. And I remember going in and being like, wow, this is kind of a cooler scene and stuff like that. So how did you, you know, did you fit into a certain type of scene, would you say, or were you kind of, I was cheesy, I thought it was cool, and I hung around with some cool cats, but yeah, it's, was it's, there an area that you kind of like, oh, I'm going to, because what I would class now is you're very on trend in, I don't want to say, it's not mainstream, it's super cool, but it's not quite mm-hmm. underground. It's the biggest, you work for the huge companies yep. and very respectable and reputable. Companies and brands and festivals and artists, but yeah,
1: was there an area? Did you have like a cheesy phase? <laughs> so, yeah, I suppose It's funny like when I started out kind of Doing nights or whatever and Like it, it just simply wasn't about like obviously just you're getting money for it, alchemy, or right? Buscar yeah. Buscar, but that, that was just your usual yeah, Nightclub, that, or was it like a student night? No, it would have been like a Friday Saturday night Like t- three euro drinks Yeah, Like just as many people as they can So the whole obsession there was like selling tickets um, so that kind of became the game and i remember saying to myself, like surely it's not that hard to sell tickets it's extremely hard to sell tickets but at that age i just like naive what were you networking on facebook facebook or, mainly yeah yeah okay. Um, and then that mo- that kind of moved into i we went from alchemy that closed down then and then within alchemy i'd met a few lads that were doing nights in there uh which have then since became some of my closest mates which wow. is great like uh but then we kind of i remember meeting up with Rob Kirby one day in, in Starbucks and uh, back when he was doing nights he's, he's miles out of it now but uh, I remember meeting him and being like this lad has his own night running he must be doing something right like this must be going yeah. well what's the night he had going? Uh, it was the Avenger lads oh yeah so they had like Palace, Obium loads of different things going Hells on houses of people probably yeah. around the city yeah but it, it, even that as a brand was never really like genre focused or like kill or whatever it was just about students. numbers I about. and yeah so we kind of fell into that initially and then um me and Kirby, I think we were just looking around for a few weeks. And we eventually found Lafayette's with um Paulie oh. just on a Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, we, we yeah. found that and oh, then DJ uh, there, Mendel's Yeah, good it's, fun for, for the Force club, I always think of it as like the perfect Force Little club. just downstairs or up and down, just downstairs. Oh, yeah, yeah, the minute, yeah. Um. But at the time, I was going out and I was going to like Sin and stuff like that. And I was seeing like- Shout out <gasps> Sin in a way. Like, yeah. Know, yeah, Like even Sparrow back then, like I'd be good mates with Sparrow now, but even him back then was like a superstar back then. And I Sin remember his
0: 21st, he rented Powers Court and yeah. inside where they get like the big DJs. i seen Deck there, aka Crystal Clear and Jackmaster. I DJ there as well. In where they make the pizzas now. I remember yeah. DJing there. It was one of the best gigs I ever did. And Sparrow, I remember going, who is this guy? Who was this popular lad? Yeah. And then I remember going, he's the man to know. Mm-hmm. And does he work for Defected now or has he moved on? He's moved on.
1: He's, uh, he's high in the Shwaya at the minute. Oh, wow. Uh, so he, he, he's one of the big dogs. These I love days. hearing
0: like humble beginnings and lads like, yeah. you know, in Pigmaid you know, after 21st, then going to Sin and then like he could get, no, I remember it was like packed. I used to live above Sin. Yeah. So I do know a, l- a little bit about you, like the 50 or a wristband. Yeah. It's a bit of an amazing kind of nostalgic nightlife culture and like yeah. stuff for like that so you were doing a little bit of that and obviously they not the topic of the podcast it's kind of a, obviously dangerous when focused yeah we'll ask at the end maybe what that might mean to you but it's also a little bit about hustle and struggle and like we want a bit of a yin and yang balance to it yeah so getting into that it's kind of maybe your first Time making money where your mom's giving you twenty quid or whatever yep. to promote it. Did you kind of like? Were you in a situation at home where you were like, "What age were you at to try and paint us a picture? Did you, you kind of think you're going to go into finance, or you're going to become an accountant, or you know, did you drop out of college? Are you like, you know, mom,
1: dad, I'm so sorry, I'm gonna go work in nightclubs." Yeah. So, funnily enough, um I was in around as I was saying, I was in around sixth year, or whatever. Um, I was going out, as I was saying, I was going to Sin. That's probably my first introduction into, like, <laughs> house music. Were, okay. It was, like, Route 94, I saw there, sunny for there and stuff.
0: I remember them, yeah. yeah. So,
1: so that was, like, Sh- me... Strictly f- deep, was Kylie and all? Yeah. 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 So that was my first kind of, like, oh, there's an edge to some of this stuff. It's I remember just, that movement happening musically. Yeah. yeah. So it's not just, like, cheap drinks get people out. There's actually a, a talk on behind this. That there was, was a f-
0: sound as well. I remember yeah. that, Sunny, yeah, I'm like, uh, Route 94 and, like, I remember, mean, was Lee Foss in the real time? Yeah. But there was a Deep House movement and yeah. Hot creation. And there was like
1: Ammon Edge and Dance and stuff like that. Yeah. Like massive names now who are playing to... Superstars. Yeah, who are playing to 500 people and saying, which is <laughs> great at the time. I was 18. This is all, I was so impressionable. Like, And then I was getting bits and pieces of that and going back to my own nights in like Lafayette, as I was saying. And, and you that, knew... Yeah, that kind of leads on to... I was doing Lafayette for, I'd say it feels like years now but probably two months at the time and I, was, wow. I was thinking this is it like i think i was making I, I went from like 20 quid a night in alchemy up to i think i could have been making say 150 quid a night in lafayette and i was like this is the one like i have this cracked <laughs> like I, yeah and I, at the time i was in six year in skilled, so i'd have a few people in skill and stuff saying to me like obviously just saying something different on a fair that like oh you're promoting a nightclub what's the gig there then yeah that's going to how it roll it like, get them in but once lafayette's kind of sparked that was the first bit of momentum that we had um so at that point I'd finish my leaving cert. I wanted to be a PE teacher, which is random. As random as it gets, but I suppose I was probably just probably the
0: best, you know, uh, area to go with if you're gonna yeah. be a school teacher.
1: So I was thinking to myself, what what job can I make? Decent money and probably do as little amount of effort as possible. So I said <laughs> PE teacher grant. So I'd be set on that. Um finished the leaving cert or whatever, went on my six year holiday and stuff. Where'd you go? Santa Ponza. Of classic. <laughs> the classic. Yeah. Um, which is some details over there, but uh, <laughs> came back then September time into college to be a PE teacher. Got Lafayette's going, and at the time, I think I, I don't, I, there was never really any pressure from my parents, but I think I just had it in my head, I need a real job as well as this. So I was doing college, I got a job in River Island uh, at the time, and I was doing Lafayette's, which looking back now, like as an 18, 19 year old, just ridiculous. <laughs> I was going to college Monday to Friday, I went to, La- I could only work the weekend, so. I do Saturday and Sunday in Laf- in And River probably Island.
0: long days, late nights, uh,
1: mixing in with a few drinks. Man, at the time, I do the Monday to Friday in college. I would do Lafayette on a Friday night. Um, I'd probably be in Lafayette till 3 or 4 in the morning after counting cash and stuff. Yep. Like at home, I remember those weekends, I'd sleep for probably half an hour. Back up into River Island by 7 a.m., Following clothes, And then I'd work till 12-ish, or around 12. And then they'd either say to you, can you stay on if they're short-staffed? Or uh, just obviously head home. It's but, mad that you can do that. You know, you just can't do it when you get older. Like, yeah. can't
0: anyway. But yeah, not no, a pr- bother to you, probably, was it? or oh, no, it was, no tough? It, it was
1: a big bother. Okay, it big right. bother. Like, I was only talking to my mom last night about it, and she was saying, uh, like, she remembers me sitting in the car, now. she dropped me in, just saying to her, like, this is killing me, like, okay. at the time. So I remember I got a bit of, like, a, I don't know if there was a fake competence or whatever, but I was like, do you know what? I'm making money off Lafayette's. and like, I, I can get this going myself. I'm going to try and focus on this or whatever. Which I took a bit of extreme, and I was like, I forced. I left River Island and I was like right this is going Surely well.
0: Surely the money in River Island like it was probably alright money was it?
1: Nah. No. Got, no.
0: Uh, it's it's funny you'd be thinking like logically I made 150 quid
1: but I'm going to yeah. go work in a job I hate folding clothes. I did retail. It's hard. Ah. I got to I remember getting to the end of my first month in River Island and I got 400 quid for like a month's work and I was like do you know what? Like I've had it like I'm done. I'm finished. And I think at that point I probably went into the place nine times. And Mad. I I it all nine times. So I was ready to leave that but then for some reason under my head, I just took to the extreme and I was like, Do you know what? Lafayette's is flying. I'm trying to get something going here and left college as well. Wow. Yeah. So I, I don't know, walking into my head at the time. I remember talking to one of the mature students in college and being like, I have this thing going on the side. I'm fairly confident in it. And rather than him going, no, stick it out. He was like, you know, man. I just pack it all up, just go and do that. Like that's the thing to do.
0: So we we speak a lot to guests on this, and one particular one is coming up, and it always does about Rob Lipsy mm-hmm. when he talks about when the side hustle makes more than your kind of main gig. Yep. It's kind of probably when you should go, but also if you're kind of not interested, and if you knew that at a younger age, all credit to you because I remember I did, I did every pretty much job under the sun, and we couldn't. So I was working in a hairdresser's. I was then trying to do the cut and sew thing on the side before it was called cut and sew. And I had to take a a step going into All City Mm -hmm. and getting to know the lads. And I used to to do a lot of graffiti commissions. Not many people know this. And I used to make, I used to be like the second highest earner of spray paint. Because I used to do a load of commissions for huge global brands and like loads of local companies. But it was all very basic graffiti style stuff before it got mainstream. And I remember when I made the first kind of leap into it, and it was fucking scary. Like I was like, how can I like, uh, uh, I was living at home saying "Me, my I was like, I don't think you should really leave the well-paying job. Yep. And I was like, do you know what though? I fucking hate it. And like, it's just not where I want to go. And then when I did took that leap of faith, which most people on the podcast usually have a story like that. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of the best thing I did. I remember, like, when I made 20 euro. It's funny. Did you say, you said 20 euro well. You got paid for the first lad. Yeah. When I got my first 20 quid for a haircut. Yeah. I, it, it meant, like, it, actually, I can still remember getting it. And it's nearly meant more to me than all the other 20 quids coming up. And now charging 35, 40 quid a cut. Yeah. So that was kind of your first, that was
1: your kind of, I suppose, change a moment. Oh, I literally remember, like, You're the, as scene, as the day. scene in my head, the 20 euro being handed we couldn't believe it. But, um... Yeah, look, I suppose, then at that time, looking back as I'm 27 now, like 18, 19, and taking the decision to like leave college and leave like a, a semi-solid job during that, yeah. is a bit What were you
0: studying in college?
1: To be a PE teacher, so just physical education. Oh, okay, sorry, excuse um, me. So leaving that now like looking back now you don't have any regrets with that side of things i don't have any regrets but it was definitely like a very rogue decision <laughs> at the time it's pretty yeah it's very
0: yeah it's mad so then take us up to pretty much you're becoming you know <laughs> i don't know if you want to call it like a, not a dell boy i think i see you as a bit of a cheeky chap right very likable and uh, like a kind of larger life character i'm sure everybody wants to know you in your world it's very glamorous. Well, at that point when Lafayette was going off and you're kind of introduced to were you self-employed or were you kind of a little bit yeah you must have been self-employed or did you work with people or work for people
1: well initially at that stage it was like cash in hand just straight off yeah. the door so 18, 19 it was just cash in hand and then funnily enough as soon as we left college and left uh, River Island I'd say a month passed Lafayette's closed wow so after that I think I just bought my first car as well so
0: yeah so that's what I want to know because it's, it's all well and good when it's going good and yeah. then you know your timeline is kind of where i want to get to essentially and then you kind of so what happens next what happens in the world of
1: ryan Road? then so for some reason i kind of always had in my head that there's like something in dance music when it was dance like music, promoting gigs yeah even down as far as marketing. I they just for some reason i really just always had in my head that there's just something there that's you can probably make a living out okay. Um but in that time like it, there was dark days it was like months and months of like nothingness but like in terms of nothingness, it's like, is there anything going in this space? And there just wasn't at the time in Dublin or in your life. Like, do you think you know,
0: there was nothing here? Like Lafayette showed that that was your world, I suppose.
1: Yeah, initially, yeah, uh, there was there was kind of nothing going on. I did try and be like, I tried loads of stuff, like worked in retail, tried to be an apprentice electrician at one stage. And I tried uh, to be an apprentice carpenter. <laughs> I was on there uh, I think I was on the site. Two days, and they came back in with me, oil report. And they were like, You're actually cold deficient, so you can't be an electrician and you can't be a boiler. Is that <laughs> so? That was a wrap on that. And then, um, and then from there, I think the first thing that happened was what, well, yeah, was there kind of a little
0: something next, or did you, did you have a mentor or people that you're going to reach out to? Because on that topic, I always get. Uh, people asking even like in the barbershop oh Sean how do you get DJ gigs Yeah, and I wonder is it similar to getting promoting gigs I'd be like well you kind of want to go to the night or mm-hmm. uh, if if you like that space get to know maybe the warm up DJs the people on the door the security staff Sue and the Twisted Pepper she's a bit of a legend yeah, I know Sue so, yeah I like just you know you kind of need to kind of get to know who people are and then when you go in I remember begging people and this is what you have to do and I still ask for gigs at my age you kind of have to go in and, and know people, but did you, yeah, well, did you have somebody come to you? Did you go to somebody then up, you know, to kind of get involved with a different company after you were going through that dark period?
1: So, luckily enough, the lads that I met, Rob Kirby, as I was saying, I kind of dummy me four or gigs with him. And um, luckily enough, we started getting to know Kirby's mates who he was promoting okay. mates with, uh, which is the Avenger lads that are long gone now, but like Stephen Doyle, Reese. Sean Bradshaw and stuff, they were doing the Palace and Opium at the time. Yeah. So, what we used to do was, i do like big venues. Yeah. So, the, the, the lads were flying at the time. So, that was kind of my first taste of there probably is something in this. That's when I forced that. Yeah. About it. Like, and it,
0: there's a bit of a commute. there's a bit of a, like a, a world that we mightn't see that it's yeah. organized by somebody, marketed or promoted by some people.
1: Yeah. Like at, at the time, the lads are in an office and all. So, I was thinking these lads are, are flying. Like,
0: yeah. I know some of this world where it's like <laughs> what? Like Jamie White used to run. I can't think of his, he had a mental story, I must get yep. Jamie on, about he was running all the student nights and he had like about, I think he had like, fi- I might be wrong, but I think 15 nights going yep. a night all over Dublin. He yep. had his own offices, like crazy, mad money, scandal stories. So much cash, didn't know what to do, with. Yeah. something happened, but sorry. Um, th- yeah, there's definitely money to be made. I remember yep. going like, how do you get in here when, you know, what happens? Well,
1: that's kind of, that, as I said, that was my force kind of, there's something in this and um, so the lads at the time were doing their own nights i started kind of chanting a bit trying to make it on the nights i used to go into palace on the tours the night. i'd sit there in my laptop at the back of palace basically and i used to be the, my job literally used to be they, the lads would create a facebook event the next week and anyone that went to the club that week used to sign into their facebook on my laptop invite all their mates like through the event uh, and then you give them a free shot so back before the days of GDPR and all, that, that was the thing to get people to your next, next gig. So I remember it as clear as day. Lads used to pay me 45 quid a night, which at the time I was like grand. Um, and yeah, how many hours work? Uh, three hours work. But then like during the week, I'd be doing some other type of odd job and I'd probably be getting 120 quid for the whole week. So I'm thinking three hours work, 45 yeah. quid, handy. So I always kind of had a connection to promoting events, shows or whatever. And then... Kind of from there, I was doing bits and pieces like that. And then I remember, I think maybe my Aaron Farrelly at the time, he would have been in that clique as well. All the lads kind of, what they were doing kind of faded away a little bit. And uh, we were just talking about what we could do. I think we'd done like the odd Tuesday in Palace and stuff like that, like a Tuesday night in Dublin. Like it's...
0: It's hard, is it?
1: Yeah, but we would high, high hopes at the time, so we were fairly motivated at the time. Now there was the odd night that done well, the odd night that crashed and burned. Like, yeah, nobody really talks about the hard nights or the losses, yeah. but you definitely
0: know they're slow and tough.
1: Yeah, I've been, I've had hundreds of them. I've had hundreds of yeah, dropping the DJ to a club, no one, known no one in it, and you have to give them the whole, Oh, I think it's exam season. I think something's up. Do, like, you, do you tell a bit of a white lie to be polite, or do you be brutally honest? Because so, is it
0: your? I always think this. I did a gig one night, and I was in the Button Factory supporting Sophie, who mm. was no longer with us. Yep. And she, at the time, had some amazing tunes. I was a massive fan on uh, numbers, on the label numbers, but Claire Fifi was, like, the main support. Yeah. So I was, like, the Button Factory, Saturday night, Claire Fifi, Sophie. I was, like, this is mental, and I think it's a 550 capacity, or maybe 800. Remember, they changed it. Mm. And... There was six people there. And I remember there was six people there because we DJed for like the first two hours, me and Derek Harrell. And we were like, what's going on? Claire Fifi comes on, we're like, do you want to play for an extra half an hour? I was thinking, of course I do, right? No problem. And it was the rugby, it was like Brazil were playing somebody in the World Cup. It was the Saturday night or Friday night. I'd love to, I'll actually go back and figure it out. But I was like, every single person in Ireland and with the amount of people from Brazil here, there was no one in the club. Yep. And it was like up, coming up to like quarter to one. Claire Fifi had to go on. She got paid. And then I met Sophie and I was like, oh, how's it going? Can't wait. And like had to play. There might have been 30 people there. I was like, how is that feasible? Yeah, I wasn't thinking of business back then, but I was like, I've done so many of them gigs where there's nobody there. Yep. And then I've had five or 10 ones that to me are just like magical. Packed clubs. Magical. Thousands of people. Somebody's late. You have to play yep. it 20 minutes.
1: And it's amazing, but... It's funny, like, to get to the gigs with thousands of people, you have to do the gigs with four people, oh. you know? Yeah, it just has to, like, you just have to go through that right You have
0: to, in every walk yeah. of life. Like, I remember setting up, uh, like, even this podcast, I'm like, can't wait to get to the first five downloads. Then it's the first hundred listens. Then it's the thousand followers on Instagram or social. And we're growing organically. Yep. And it takes a lot of time to get to that and it's again as I always say I want a nice bit of balance to it so how did you kind of like when was it a full-time gig when you weren't sitting at the back of the palace or clubs doing this when did you think you know what as a young man you could make a good living from it and also have a nice balance where
1: you were doing something that you loved so um in that time, as I was saying, where I was going to odd jobs and I was doing small well, things You're probably mad happy to do them though at that time. Yeah, loving the, it. at the time I was just buzzing to be there and I thought it was the coolest thing ever just being in a club before yeah. it opened and stuff. Um, and then I remember, I think I was in an insomnia or something like that with Aaron Faraday, as I was saying. Yeah. Uh, and I seen an ad that the Roy Fenn, were looking for a production manager.
0: What? Man, that was a mental place. Yeah,
1: wow. wasn't it? Um, I think Stephen Lawless put it up who does bingo logo now and stuff. But I, I remember seeing his status... And uh, I said, you know what, I'll, I'll give this a go or whatever. And, How old were uh, you then? Early 20, 20s? Yeah, 2021 20, at the time. Okay. Hadn't a clue about production. We have production. a great
0: timeline here as well, actually, from you. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Hadn't a clue about production. N- nothing about DJing, nothing about lights, nothing. And do you remember the
0: guy in there? I think it was the sound It was Darren, the big lad. Yeah, it does the screens. Like, yeah. Still I'm, going. Yeah, still yeah. going. Yeah. Um, so you are in the right venue. Yeah. That, was that Ireland's biggest club space? I yeah. Know, yeah.
1: Monster. Two and a half thousand people
0: like man okay
1: and so you went spoke to him or reached out yeah reached out uh i think i went up and done an interview at the time obviously with a lot of people i didn't know at the time but I sat there pled me case luckily enough i got it deadly um was in rights i always say it's kind of like my version of college um, and yeah, you served your time kind of yeah cause I, I was in rights towards the end so the, i think the last two years three years of rights i was there
0: but they, tr- they were really trying to figure little bits out and rebrand it and do little things and yeah, yeah to be honest i feel like it's was it a bit of an, an uphill struggle because to do that every week i think initially it was meant to be like a live music venue yeah. is what i heard and like remember they used to pay like 50 cent to go there or usher any celebs used to get paid i think a couple of quid cash to go and attend it was mental all yeah. the secret rooms four or five djs and i i dj'd in most areas of it and as i said earlier on i dj'd when you walked in in a glass case yeah one time, it was but just money all over the place.
1: I think I think Reitz was like a victim of it was created in one culture, which is the Celtic Tiger and like money and the VIP yeah. experience, and then it slowly shifted into people apparently see headline DJs here, like people aren't paying to come up and sit at the table for a night anymore. Yeah. So I think it was kind of a victim of that. Like I remember MK being out there uh, when MK was forced popping in, off in Ireland, yeah. and uh, like you, you do two and a half thousand people over t- like two nights, two and a half thousand people. And I think the main room only held about sixteen hundred. So you have a thousand people somewhere not seeing them. K kind after of paying to see them. Smoking area, yeah. yeah.
0: The upstairs, the little rooms, yeah. The purple room, the purple room, yeah. the Scarface room, which pen- I never got into. I think that's where all the the celebs yeah. probably were back then misbehaving. The penthouse upstairs then as well. Yeah, yeah the yeah. penthouse I got in at once. But I I DJed in a few. But I DJed in the main. I remember doing like I used to do this skilled the, the under 80s, yeah. banging out a load of Afro
1: Jack and Calvin Harris. Yeah. Great children, there's nothing wrong with them. They might be the coolest of children. Then oh, we went out to that's what was called Attitude and uh Play. was the younger so well, hang on, you dance.
0: probably were at one of my gigs there. Probably, I used yeah. to do them, not yeah, even probably, yeah. you. main room man upstairs. Probably, Frankie yeah. Jez and all, of them. Steve, What's the guy's name? Redhead guy. He does the radio. Ah, oh, he's a lovely lad. I can't, he does like a bit more radio shows now. Steve
1: something, doesn't matter. Boy, Stephen Cooper, Steve Cooper. Yeah, I don't, I don't know lad. myself with just the name, yeah. popped in my head, but uh. Yeah, the growth was mental when I was So that up. was, was kind of
0: where, at the last three years, you are kind of serving your time. As you said, so that's how you looked at it. You were like, you got to you got a feel
1: for what it's like. Yeah, it was the first place that I started on socials and stuff for. So that's kind of where it all clicked. Um, Just so people might know, and myself as well, socials meaning
0: every social media platform.
1: Every social media platform. It's now kind of expanded into marketing in general. So okay. like beyond socials, like if it's ads on the side of a bus, if it's a billboard. Like any way of promoting like the new skill flyering yeah essentially yeah. um but rights was the first place that like even when the la the initial ads that were managing it when i got there they essentially left um just to go on and do other stuff or whatever Yeah, and me with some weird type of false confidence was convinced all you could do in the socials which at the time i'm sure they were absolutely <laughs> dire. i love like, that confidence Yeah, i'm sure they were absolutely terrible at the time like but um That just came from being at Wright's and kind of starting as production manager. I think he asked me to do a Saturday night up there and I started digging into like club culture, like what I like about club culture, the tunes, the look of clubs, how the lights are being done, sound, I started digging into everything, which then led me to where am I discovering all this stuff on socials. So I like this idea in my head, like here's the way the club socials should be done. Yeah. Which I I still kind of have in my head every time we see a club or see what they're doing. I look at a club and go, here's the way I'd like to do the socials or I look at a club and go, these socials are a lot better than mine. That we need to stay down mine yeah. like this. Like, you so,
0: took inspiration, I and mean, yeah. that's what everyone does. Anybody in any field. The same with me when I travel, or, or even the reason why we have a up pair support local is that I try and campaign nothing against Starbucks, McDonald's, or all these global brands. They all started off in one shop, yep. but I'm not into them anymore because I feel like once they're carbon copies and they become copy and paste, they lose the aesthetic and hunger of what it is and. If you create a monster, let's just even say, like McDonald's and the movie The Founder, I speak about a lot, you know, when they open up too many of them, yep. standards drop and it's not special. And it's the same with me and Cut and Sew. I was like, if I open up too many shops, it's going to lose that like uniqueness and kind of same aesthetics that I like to choose. And I don't think I would ever franchise. Mm-hmm. But when I think of clubs and spaces, and as you said, getting inspiration I travel a lot and when I go away I see how other people do and take inspiration. Yeah. And with the likes of maybe my club and days, and then we both were in the right venue, Dublin has probably changed loads and the massive area I want to talk to you about is obviously probably what you get asked a lot, or maybe you don't. How have you seen a change? Because we're out of the pandemic and that obviously before we talk about the shutting of clubs and and everything. Yeah. Do you have a glory day of kind of clubs, spaces, and kind of festivals and like concerts you went that were like, oh my God, this was like blown away. Because you were obviously a, a good bit, you like 10 years younger than me. So from my eyes, I see it differently than you. And I kind of would love to know someone in your generation. Yeah. Kind of what it was like for you building up to that.
1: Well, for me being.
0: Like before coming up to COVID, can you be like, oh, we had this, this, this going on.
1: Yeah. And. Well, for me to go. like Some the...
0: highlights and some lows maybe.
1: Yeah, like the whole the kind of glory there for me is the ex- I always think of like the feeling I had when I was like eighteen nineteen going out, going to scene, going to clubs like that. Like the half the reason why I like going to scene is because you weren't guaranteed to get in. So it seemed oh, like this. I love like, like the it, bear going story. Yeah, so it's like a, this little exclusive, like if you get in you are buzzing. I know
0: Sparrow or yeah. Scully, yeah.
1: Exactly, yeah. And like everyone was like two or three years old and you see what terrified to talk to boards in case it was someone's blogger yeah. or someone's board or whatever. So <laughs> That that's kind of my glory Des. and with that comes like. And you're a big lad as well, Tony. Yeah. <laughs> um, so with with that, to me, like obviously, I, I operate in kind of all genres or whatever, and we run shows and all things. But me, love is house music, and yeah, that same. comes directly from going out that deep house, like, scene, and then eventually that's rolled into like kind of modern day. Like iterations, like the likes of Sir logo and stuff is probably my favourite brand in the world, and wow. it's because they. With kind of being
0: there, being very lucky that I have a few friends or DJs and guests and seeing the operation, and you're like, wow, yeah. Over here, because I festivals, I think I was very lucky that the Bedlam lads asked me to DJ at Life, and I probably just hounded them. But I used to go to their nights, yeah, and I always say I'm like, you have to ask and be persistent. I'm probably a bit pushy to my jet detriment sometimes, and people are like, oh, he's annoying me but i was a supporter of lads and i remember people growing up and i remember life festival is so important to talk about i remember i was djing at like twelve fifteen, and, and i was getting drunk and getting out of thinking i'm playing a quarter past 12 at yeah. night and it was quarter past 12 in the day still as happy so of course stayed up yeah. all night and i was the joke of the whole friday night into the saturday was i'm playing the bedlam stage or the toe stage whatever it was called I was like, what? And I had like an army of like 20 buzzers. Yeah. And they came down to me and I found out that the gates weren't open until 12.30. Oh my God. Uh, but I ended up getting on, played for 45 minutes. Best buzz ever. And Life yeah. Festival to me was like for house music or what would you call it? Um, what's the kind of music I'm... Spo- like not underground music. What's the word I'm trying to find for that type of music like it just wasn't hip-hop it wasn't longitude it was yeah. now like rappers or anything like that it was electronic music so yeah. electronic music festival god it took me a while that to me was like i kind of said well i know the guys who are doing this stage and that stage and who they're getting in and there's the red bull area and i loved that when i was probably in around your age or a little bit younger did you kind of have a, a taste for that in ireland or what was your kind of first electronic festival
1: did you go to and of them um like BD, I remember. I those. think before some was, oh, I was young enough anyway. I think I went to the Sunday Alloy Festival. That was like my first. Well, Sunday renowned to be kind of wild. Yeah, because Sunday you could go down and go back the same the oh, same time. Oh yeah, yeah. So I think I'm trying to remember who I was playing at the time. It was like that fat boy Slim or Rudimental. Some mental names over yeah. the years. So I remember going down to Sunday, going on a mad one with my mates. I remember yeah. falling asleep, my mates, car, Aaron, and just waking up at home, waking up back in Dublin. Oh, you um, lucky devil. Yeah, so that wasn't bad. That was a, that was a good experience yeah. down there. But kind of since then, I don't like the year. I think we went to EP like three years in a row. I didn't even mention EP. It's, so, it's yeah. such a monster back in the day. Yeah. Um. But that was, the whole buzz of going to them was just the buzz of going, which I made, I and going for a specific thing. I remember thing, Oxygen, you know? yeah. Yeah. And um, just yeah,
0: going to the different areas. Excuse me. And like, I remember like the buzz you'd get. I remember getting the lanyard and it would have each different area on it. Yeah. And uh, well, I remember going to Oxygen, and it was like it was an insane year. I seen Amy Winehouse one year, Eminem was one year. Hudson Mohawk was a guy I liked, who's amazing. But it was like forty people there, and he was clashing with Beyonce. There was an indie stage, and then it was like I never DJed at Oxygen, but I remember seeing Lark and Mac. They used to do a get a gig on the night before. I think it was like the Sega stage, or the like ten thousand people in the in the campsites. And it was just this mental monster. Yeah. But like now for me, okay, so that was, what's more about you, sorry. So for you, it was kind of coming up, I'm just getting excited talking about these nostalgic memories. Uh, so you had your taste for that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then what kind of happened then in between now to kind of come up to your current role, like what you're doing? Because I would have seen you, as you said, speak about life, DA, District Day. I went once or twice and was guest with a few people. It was amazing yep. space in the Tivoli. Yep. I'd see everything. The D8 in the garden looks insane. Like, it's just, it's so good. Um, But what, yeah, where do you kind of now pretty much with your work or your day-to-day? So we're all kind of
1: started, kind of, I suppose, where I left off with the Roy venue that obviously closed. Um, And then uh, during my time in the Roy venue, if I was going out, obviously, right as it was a great club at the time or whatever, but I probably wouldn't go out in Wrights and that's kind of when I started going to like DA and stuff when I was in the Tivoli. What, um, what a
0: different contrast.
1: Yeah, so that just because it was a bit of different or whatever, I used to go there rather than going to the same place I work or whatever, going really anywhere else and at the time that was the buzz, like everyone was going to DA.
0: Yeah, I was felt a little bit older but it's funny because it was years ago but I remember being like addison oh, Co- the cool kids were coming through and they wanted it yeah like exactly, what yeah. was the capacity there do you know
1: oh, Depends. i don't like, because
0: it was two rooms it wasn't like down and then the, the theater. theater as
1: well I, I, I never even got to the theater
0: i never get into the theater i was just trying to get i was a backstage trying to hang out with all the djs be yeah. cool or up the front going mental i think i got kicked
1: off the stage once as well actually <laughs> don't ask me but uh yeah that was like me the district eight would have been me forced going clubbing as it is now like where it's going to see a name yeah getting into it listening to music the, the week of the gig starting to figure out who's running the gigs and stuff and then that kind of led me to the bedlam lads i remember going to a patrick topping gig there and the lads were a book topping to play mm. da so when the Roy venue closed i think i sent an email to the abstract lads who ran bd yeah and then Bedlam. Johnny. um i just sent an email i think it was like listen i'm into very
0: proactive of you
1: yeah, I, 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 to be honest, I think that was the only two emails I sent. So it's kind of two, right? And you, yeah. you don't
0: ask, you don't get.
1: Exactly, yeah. And I think it was just something along the lines. Of, I'm interested in dance music. If there's anything going? Let me know, whatever. And then uh, Johnny and Brian, had just from Bedlam, had just happened the far corner. Yeah. Met the lads in there, and they said just by chance, um, the academy, the lads on the academy showing in Belfast uh, were starting a Thursday They know. Yeah. They want to start a tour. They know. They'd seen the lads doing toast and stuff like that. Yeah. And then we started a uh, conspiracy in conspiracy. the academy. Conspiracy, going to say UFO. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, yeah. yeah. UFOs, know, I just, uh, this is how I
0: know. I see the branding yeah. and I see the ideas and I love how it comes together. That's why yeah. it's nice to chat to you.
1: But UFO is still going in Belfast. Like, Sorry, that's why right uh, now I'm just, yeah. Yeah. And then uh, conspiracy was in Dublin, flew over the first six months. I think we started in March... So I would say I flew for three or four I months it I remember watching
0: it. It was on a, mid, it was a week, Thursday night, was
1: it? Thursday night, yeah. Yeah, I
0: remember seeing it on the acts and the DJ box on the ground sometimes. Yeah, Is that yeah.
1: on the on the dance floor. On the dance floor. Uh, I think a was the first person to play it. And like, a flew as all big nights there when you first started them. Yeah. And then trying to run student nights over of our summer and stuff like that. I think I had a bit of a revival then, September to December, and then eventually just phased out just before the pandemic. Um, okay. But as I was in there, I got talking to the Academy about They on Friday and Saturday nights as well. Uh, So that's kind of how that stemmed. Um, And then as I said, the shine lads who were in Belfast own the Academy who they'd be doing kind of ravey stuff as well up north. So Yeah. I see
0: a lot of people talking about it. People want it, do they? Now that's how it's evolved. It's not like going and listening to like Rider and like Rihanna and like, oh man, the crap we used to have to deal with back in the day. There was no like broader genre of music to, to music to go out to mm-hmm. and now we love i think i think so just before the pandemic as well i think it's great that now you have all these club nights and promoters and up and coming and well-established people that you can go and see a night like, in like cool quirky spaces yep and um, so then we're not worried about the pandemic where do you think music is at now when i see the likes of yourself and the people you work it i think it's actually in super safe hands like the likes of index shout out ryan for giving me an l warm-up slot there or support slot i look man it's i was blown away i couldn't believe even the garden like it was beautiful the setup the professionalism i've been a guest with uh, deck lennon to all of the clubs. I've been VIP, not VIP in Berger and that sounds a bit wanky. Yeah, get you, yeah. But I've gotten in with him, and there's no frills there. It's kind of like there was not even like a, a backstage area, yeah. if I remember correctly. But when you went in to index production, light, sound, crew, yourself, yeah. I couldn't believe it was like, I was like, wow, if this was around when I was younger, it would have been bananas. You wouldn't have got me out of the place. Yeah. But do you think music, apart from the crap, is there crap venues in Dublin that license and, we could talk about all that area yep. but do you think music I think it's in safe hands from my outlook have yep. you any concerns on it that you'd like to voice where you're like you know man we wish we could open more nights more times yep. you know better licenses and laws what would be your kind of two cents on that because I'm not you know 21 anymore
1: well first and foremost <laughs> just even about index like the all the credit for I, I nearly see myself as a middleman like Martin Booking Index and Fernando actually putting the club together, and his vision for the club is world class. I I just see myself as kind of the translator of getting it from the lads' ideas out to the public. Okay. Uh, So that's kind of where I see myself The branding as
0: well, the font, the photos, the lighting, the sound, the whole thing, the package. It's
1: a mental animal. I'm happy enough to say, like, a lot of time and effort does go into getting that right. That's it. It's a big thing for me. I think of a little bit of OCD on that stuff.
0: I think if the branding is wrong, if you go through any successful business, and I tell people to look around when they walk through a city, see where might, like, if you look at Heartbreak Social, you know that is the the spot. Yeah. Because gold leaf, hand embellished, hand sign writing, font, they're using the best light boxes and decals on the window yeah. that's when you know something's quality and i think that from index and that does stem from your poster before you put out the gig or announce the gig and then when you get there so yeah it's a whole big huge system i think so credit to people need to be given credit to from the ground up yeah
1: i, I think people, people from I just,
0: the, the staff you know security when you're coming in if they're wankers and they're like they're not they're not reading the crowd right yeah. get a bad name it has to be a safe space i'm sure
1: yeah like i think for index as well like we want it to be more just I'm going to see a DJ the, the Sanford, yeah. two hours you want the whole experience you want standing in the line seeing the names on the wall you're going to see like you want it to be an actual valid experience that when they're talking to the mates from London or talking to the mates in Paris or wherever they're saying when you come over here we go to Index and have a good night out uh, and that starts from as I said down as far as branding and stuff like that and how important that is for us um, and yeah hopefully it stands the test of time yeah how long is it going now pretty much so in Index home Index was in its new in in where it is now in Liberty Lion we're there since September Open September 7th with Ironman and Helden but the lads I think the lads are running gigs with the index brand since like 2018 maybe so So fresh and I love that about the branding and the whole like it's
0: yeah the brainchild behind it needs to be credited and it's not just the face of our people Mm. that would recognize I'm sure your phone gets blown up by thousands of people every gig Mm. what pretty much is well what's coming up next for yourself do you think in term maybe professionally more so is there anything exciting you can tell us about or is that that you're looking forward to because it's you know it's only the end of january you just play it to a sold out (laughs) index we pause it but what's kind of for yourself something you're really looking forward to i know d8 in the garden carl cox yeah mental Um, anything else
1: yeah with the d8 in the garden shows we have a few kind of my goal this year and it's something we but I feel fairly passionate about is getting indexed to like a global level. So your, your brand as you said, Loco is your favourite, brand exactly. Brand yeah, yet. and like your brands like TeleTech and stuff like that in the UK who are fairly new, um, who are doing that on a global global level, you know. So getting indexed to that kind of stage is where where I wanted to go. We have a few things lined up. We have a fairly special show in a special place in London on Paddy's Day, which should should be it should be a great show. Friday's oh. Day is on a Sunday, obviously, so yes, um, it should be a fun one. I
0: seen that on my calendar, was doing the air. yeah. Well, look, I'd love to get you back on for another chat because I didn't chat about anything I really yeah. wanted to do, I just me tell you about my nostalgia and all the rest, yeah. Um, I do like to ask every guest, What does dangerous when Focus mean to them? Mm-hmm. Like, to you, does it mean anything or does anything spring to mind? I know I'm kind of just
1: springing it on to you. Well, what, what springs to mind the dangerous and focus thing and i don't know what i, <laughs> don't, <laughs> I don't worry i won't take any insult uh, no I don't, I don't know what a dangerous is the right word but the, the kind of first thing i think of when i think of that is like the flow not like flow state but when you have a bit of momentum behind it and you're working and it's just everything's kind of going right uh, and that's stemming from the hard work you're out there down Because yeah. obviously all all success is hard work and a bit of luck yeah but obviously the harder you work the luckier you get usually so that's kind of the way i'd see dangerous and focused you
0: know man I love it Ryan you're a legend thanks for your time brother really appreciate it thanks for having me thanks lads